0: Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coast View. Now we're going to shift gears and move to our sort of modified Saints uh, Friday. Uh, we have Jeff Duncan from the Athletic here. He's here every Friday to kind of give us, uh, you know, what's going on in the in the sports world, what's going on in the football world, what's going on with the Saints. But this past week, all everyone's obviously sort of processing the Super Bowl and it really what was a complete domination by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they, you know, I, I I know we talked about we expected it to be a high-scoring game and all of that, but they basically shut Pat Mahomes down. Uh, what's your read on, on you know, now that you've had a week to th- kind of think about it?
0: Well, hey, look, I picked the Bucks. That's one thing I did do correct. I just felt like they were playing so well at the end of the year. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, Ricky, we want to kind of bring up how it relates to the Saints. All the struggles that Saints fans saw the Saints have against the Bucks in that game and the frustrations maybe with not being able to get the ball down the field, and Drew Brees is having to hold the ball and run around. We saw Patrick Mahomes go through the exact same thing. Uh, so I think it's it's educational for everyone just to sh- kind of tip your hat to the Tampa Bay Bucks. They were just playing extremely well. They got hot at the right time. They were very confident, and they just outplayed the, the Chiefs in every phase of the game. So I was a little surprised it was that one sided, but I, I really felt like the Bucks were the were the better
1: team. It's you know you've talked about this so so often, and that is that pe- teams peak, and you saw in the Tampa Bay team, uh, even in that second game, you know, what the Saints win thirty whatever to three or whatever their final score was, but at, from that point on, you saw Tampa begin to get it together. They were getting some of their players back. You were seeing the the uh, communication between. Um, the quarterback and the receivers really start to kick in. They were making big plays. The defense was playing really good. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you were seeing the offensive line doing protection. A lot of the things that that were making the Saints so darn good, but they, the Saints were kind of coming off a little bit. And man, they were peaking. And that's just the way it works in the NFL. Th- this was this year's team, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and I, I think uh, the key for their team was just how their defense became a dominant unit. I mean, by the end of the year, you could pick in, in the early part of the season, you could pick on their secondary. They had a lot of young guys back there. Rookie Antoine Winfield Jr. at free safety, uh, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunning. I mean, these were guys that were finding their way in the league. And by the end of the season, they had gelled as a unit and were playing extremely well. They, they figured it out. They had a lot of great confidence. And you saw what happened. I mean, look, they took Tyreek Hill out of the game. They had a great plan for Jason Kelsey. Uh, that high-powered Chiefs offense could not really function. And I know that the Chiefs were missing four of their five starting offensive linemen. That obviously played a huge role. But the fact was, is even when he had time, there weren't players open downfield. And that's a credit to Todd Bowles and that secondary, which came on. And I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. That's a young defense for the most part uh, for the Bucks coming back. And we already know that Tom Brady has said he's coming back. so. They're going to be a factor in a headache for the Saints for years to come.
1: And you're watching you know, you're, you're, all the points you made about the defensive backs. Man, they, they played lights out the whole game. And the defensive line, man, they were just relentless. I mean, they would, they would bust through. And I have never seen Patrick Mahomes run for his life like he had to run for his life in that Super Bowl. It was really amazing to watch, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of it had to do with attrition. I mean, can you imagine, Ricky, if the Saints – went into the Super Bowl without Taron Armstead, Ryan Ramchick, Eric McCoy, and say, Andres Pete. I mean, that's what you're dealing with. Four of their five starting offensive linemen weren't there. And that's just not going to – no matter what, you can say next man up, but there's a reason those guys were starting. And it showed in that game. I thought Tampa really got after them. And they really dominated the game. I mean, they could have scored more. They were on the one-yard line early in the game and didn't even get any points out of it. So there was a lot of, I think, a, a lot of reasons to believe that Tampa was the best team in the league by the end of the year, and it showed.
1: Well, so uh, two uh, New Orleans uh, Tyron Matthew and Leonard Fournette, uh, got to play in the Super Bowl. And of course, it turned out well for Leonard Fournette. I mean, it was you could see that Tyron Matthew was pretty frustrated most of the day. But boy, an amazing—you follow these guys' careers—an amazing set of circumstances, kind of. Falls in place for both of these guys, which ends, you know, has them ending up in the Super Bowl playing one another. So it's an amazing situation, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, Tyron Matthew got his ring last year, and then this year his uh, former, you know, buddy, his longtime buddy, Leonard Fournette. Now he's older than Fournette, but I believe they played uh, about four years, three years apart at St. Aug. Um, Leonard Fournette got a ring as well. And look, anyone around here, Ricky, we all know. Uh, I I remember going to see Leonard Fournette play at St. Aug when he was a sophomore, and he was the best high school football player I've ever seen. I've never seen anyone that dominant. He was just a man among boys at that age, and he continued that way on into his career as number one high school player in the country, and uh, then went to LSU and was dominant there. And then his career kind of fizzled out a little bit in Jacksonville, and what a pickup for the Bucs. I mean, you have to credit not only uh, the Bucks front office and personnel department, but also it's a credit to Tom Brady. I mean, in midseason or before the season, they picked up Rob Gronkowski. Then they get Leonard Fournette the week before the season. And then they get Antonio Brown during the season. All three guys were Pro Bowl caliber players that just kind of wanted to jump on board the Tom Brady train. And they all end up scoring touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And I mean, you just that just doesn't happen it's a testament to Tom Brady and how much a player like that can attract other great players to be a part of a team.
1: Well, I had so many of my friends that were saying, Drew Brees is the GOAT, 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 GOAT. Man, every single one of them to a person is, man, you got to give it to Brady. What an amazing accomplishment. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and you know, a lot of the same things I heard Bucks players saying about Tom Brady afterward are the things I've heard Saints players for years say about Ah, uh, Drew Brees, it's not the physical attributes, it's not the tangibles, it's the intangibles, the leadership, the work ethic, you know, the commitment, the the camaraderie, the team building stuff that, that Brady does. He builds confidence in his teammates uh, because of his greatness. It's kind of like when you play pick up basketball at the park and you knew you had the best guy in the in the neighborhood on your team. You you knew you were going to probably win because you had the guy on your team. That's what I think great players like Breeze and Brady do to their teammates, and we saw that in, in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady didn't have the statistical numbers that everybody wants to see, but he just led the team and got it done. Whenever they had a chance, he made the big pass. Uh, yeah, he's, he's no doubt about it, the greatest of all time. There's no denying it.
1: So uh, you wrote the book on the Breeze and Peyton dynasty. Um, and you mentioned about the intangibles. And I, I mentioned to you before the show that Peter Finney Jr. wrote a story that NOLA.com aggregated on their site, but it was a great story about uh, a man who goes to St. Rita church and he'd gone to church there every morning for seven o'clock mass. And this guy used to come in at six thirty and sit in the back. And just before mass started, he would leave and he noticed him every single day. He would just come to church and um, finally, he kind of met up with him, this small guy. He referred to him, and it ended up being Drew Brees. And he said, "Are, are you Catholic?" And Drew said, "No, I'm not." Um, he said, "Well, too bad, because I'd love for you to come meet, you know, meet at Knights of Columbus or whatever it is he was talking about." But you know, Drew kind of gave him a smile. But people came to know that he was there, and and were just you know friendly and gave him his space. And he would come in, pray, and leave just before mass. But I mean, how many things like that do we? not know about drew breeze and the things that he does to become a solid person
0: yeah like i thought that was a great story and it doesn't surprise me at all i mean breeze is a very uh devout uh you know christian i know that he it means a lot to him he he tells me in the morning one of the first things he does is read bible scripture before he goes out uh to do his game prep uh, at saints camp so this is probably part of his routine that i'm sure he did for years uh, it's on his way out to the Saints facility, uh, St. Saint Rita. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I, I thought it was just a, a tremendous story about how he keeps it private and doesn't necessarily trumpet a lot of the things he does. Uh, and it also says a lot about New Orleanians. Uh, you know, that, that's one of the things I think Drew loves about the city and has always loved is you can be a celebrity here, but people are used to that. And they let you live your life and they don't hassle you. And that's a good example of it.
1: Yeah, I remember when I became president of NOLA Media Group and we were talking about our entertainment coverage and all of that. And in a meeting, I said something like, gosh, this think of the celebrities that live here and the movies that are going on. We should we should do a better job of sort of capturing some of that. And you say, well, we'll do it. We'll do it to an extent. But sort of part of the thing here in New Orleans is that we respect the space of those celebrities that are here. And and it was really kind of deep in the culture of the city that that you guys thought that. I mean, that was kind of important, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I live not far from Ottoman Park, so I I see Drew and his kids at Ottoman Park all the time. And they're always kind of out in the middle playing. You know, sometimes they get new toys, they'll be out there. He he gets away from the track and where most of the people are at. But people see him and no one comes up to bother him. They let him have his space. And I've actually seen Bryan Cranston, you know, the yeah. great actor. I saw him there about a year ago at the park uh, and people knew it was him, but they let him let him be. So I think it's part of the culture and kind of the cool joie de vie mm. in this city.
1: When we come back after this break, with uh, Jeff Duncan from the Athletic, I want to talk about the energy building around Jameis Winston. I think there's some steam I'm I'm sensing, and also the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection committee and some interesting anecdotes about that. We'll be back after this break. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Jeff Duncan with us. He's uh, he's a writer and columnist for the Athletic, and um, he's covered the Saints more than anyone else on earth. And a former colleague at the Times Picayune, NOLA. dot com and NOLA Media Group. But before we went to the break, we talked about a lot of the dynamics of the Super Bowl and you know local guys who were involved in that. But we'll shift gears now. We talked a little bit about Drew Brees. Um, there's a lot of steams, you know, I, and I get, I get that they're, they're wanting, they're wanting Winston, Jameis Winston. Yeah. And, and, um, um, my mind just went blank. Taysom Hill, t- 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 Jason Hill, of course, uh, they want them to compete. They want them to compete big time. But as you pointed out on past shows, Jameis Winston is a free agent. And, uh, and there's a lot of teams that probably are calling him right now. So, you know they're they're throwing the love kisses his way, but how do you think this is going to turn out?
0: Yeah, look, I think there's a, a strategy involved by Sean Payton and and the organization to try and get James back in the building. They're very high on him, and they liked everything they saw from him last year. He kind of it was kind of like an audition in a way for both sides to get to know each other. All last season, uh, they got to see behind closed doors how he worked, and I've heard nothing but positive reports on him. Clearly, he's going to have to make a decision himself, Ricky. Does he want to take maybe a lesser deal, come back with the Saints because he sees the opportunity, the roster that's in place is certainly good enough to compete for a playoff spot again? Or does he want to maybe take big money in the in the open market if there's that available to him? I think it's a much more quarterback-friendly market this year than it was a year ago. There are a lot of teams needing veteran quarterback play like himself. so. I could see where he's a little conflicted by it, but I do think the Saints make a very uh, compelling pitch to him. Come in, he'd probably compete with Taysom Hill for the starting job, and I think he probably feels confident he could win that job and be the the uh, successor to Drew Brees and have this great roster around him uh, that he really didn't have nearly as talented a roster in Tampa as he would have here.
1: You know, let's think about it for a minute. It, it... Okay, so we've talked about it before. He's smart. He's picked up this, this offense that you need a PhD in to execute. He, he has the physical skills. My goodness, I mean, he, he can throw the ball. How far? You know, 70 yards. I don't know how far he can throw the ball. But wouldn't it be amazing to have his physical attributes and his smartness without the issues he had at Tampa Bay? To really have it together here, so that we can stretch, we could literally potentially stretch this extraordinarily talented offense to a whole new level. And then if tayson would would ex- accept that and play a similar role in this offense that he played this year, that could be super dynamic.
0: Yeah, that that's the intriguing possibility with uh, Jameis Winston. Is his physical skill set is as good as anyone in the league? Uh, can he get past some of the decision-making issues that really sidetracked his career and and led to his end in Tampa? I think it's a huge question mark. Uh, You have to, if you're a Saints fan, you have to look at the glass half full and that you've got Sean Payton and this really good offensive coaching staff. They've got a lot of great players around him where he wouldn't have to carry the team, Uh, but I'm still a little skeptical, to be honest with you. I I think, uh, you know, I heard a lot of the same things about Cam Newton when he came into New England that he was going to get with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. And this great coaching staff would play to his strengths. And he looked like the same guy to me in New England that he was in Carolina. And uh, so I'm in kind of a show me mode with Jameis Winston. Let's see it. I want to be, see if he can prove it to me that he can get past some of those, those hiccups that really derailed his career.
1: You're on the pro football hall of fame selection committee. Um, you know, Of course, Peyton Manning got in this year. Tell me about some of the dynamics that you observed this year.
0: Well, there's one representative per each NFL market. I took the mantle from my mentor, Peter Finney, who was on the committee for decades. And basically, you're there to represent uh, anyone that might come through your market. For instance, I represented and made the uh, presentation for Sam Mills, the former Saints linebacker and also Carolina Panthers linebacker. Uh, at this year's meeting. We did it virtually for the first time, Ricky, because of the coronavirus pandemic. And actually, I was surprised at how well it went. It felt very normal. The process went uh, just about as well as it ever has, even in that big room that we usually meet in. Everyone got a chance to be heard. And the way it works is you present a case for five minutes, you almost feel like a defense attorney in court making a case for why your client should be in the hall of fame and you talk about their career then there's an open discussion after that among the selection committee members about that candidate and then we go to the next candidate and we do go through all 15 that way we have to whittle it down to five at the end we take a vote and there's a lot of back and forth it's a very candid conversation Uh, there's a lot of people that go against somebody so it, it it can be very heated Uh, And this year, uh, it it actually went, I think, about as smooth as you could expect with the three strong first-year candidates all getting in, Alvin Johnson, Charles Woodson, and Peyton Manning.
1: Peyton Manning, as they described, was a drop-the-mic moment. He mentioned his name and a couple of other words, and that was about it. Drop the mic. You're you're going to get the opportunity in five years to uh, introduce uh, Drew Brees. I think what you'll be able to say is, Drew. And that would be maybe the shortest speech ever given? Maybe it will be. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, it, we, we keep track of that. And we did the same with Brett Favre a few years back. Maybe you're right. I'll do one word. <laughs> yeah. Instead of two names, I'll do one. It'll make Drew the shortest.
1: Yeah. The I, I love that. I love that. Well, anyway, this has been uh, Jeff Duncan from The Athletic. Thanks for joining us, buddy.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a great weekend, Ricky.
1: And we'll see you next week. Take care and uh, have a great weekend.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.